Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Before we start this episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to ask a favor of you. Please open the podcast app you're listening on right now and hit the follow button. This really supports us growing the podcast and also helps continue to produce high quality conversations around high performance. You listen to us and we want to listen to you. So please also consider leaving a rating and review. Tell us what you love about this episode and what you'd like to hear more of. Give us some feedback as it really does make a difference to what we're doing behind the scenes. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. You're sitting there in the ABC studios. If you can put an imaginary rearview mirror up and look back in the rearview mirror, and Lisa, I'll start with you. I've got one in mind, but I want to ask you first. What's an interview you look back at and you think, I nailed that? And if, if you caught a, a glimpse of yourself in the mirror, you just went... Go get now, Michael would have done that, right? Because guys do that, and if we've got hair, we flick the hair. Women might think it. You might just sort of have a little smile. But can you look back in the review? What is an interview that you just nailed? And and internally, you said, "Go, girl, that was just awesome." Um, look, I I struggle to. I can talk to you about interviews that I've felt comfortable with that I thought have been good experiences for the audience because. It's more about are we giving the audience what they want to know and has it been, you know, either an enjoyable or an educating experience for them? And so the ones that I kind of think of are when we had Gladys Knight on the couch and she was delightful anyway, but, you know, I confess to her that I massacre her songs at karaoke and she was so wonderful. And it's that kind of sense of when you are honest and authentic and you just don't try to pretend to be anything that you're not, I think it then creates a better interview. But you're going to pull one out, are you? you well, before you- I do, I did, I did want to ask both of you, what did you do with the money that your parents gave you? The money for singing lessons because I saw... I saw on social media the ABC Christmas party and oh, I think it was man. Islands in the Stream. And look, I, I love the enthusiasm. It may, may have been charged with a couple of bevies, but I, I don't think you spent that money on singing lessons. Uh-huh. Well, that's a waste, wasted investment. You've cut me, Andrew, because um, it's actually my ambition to celebrate my 60th birthday by putting on a cabaret show. So I am going to try and learn how to sing before I turn 60. I know you when there's a challenge, and if, especially if someone says, no, you can't do it, like stuff you. So I look forward to getting tickets, yeah. actually, at the end more <laughs> and watching your cabaret show. Yeah, the one I thought about was uh, when you had yelled out El Presidente, and in your I own words, in a very oh, poor accident with, with Fidel. Yeah, that was a tricky one because we were chasing him all over Cuba. We He wasn't going to give an interview and so you know when it's in another language you're having to then 
try and it's an interview not that just you're able to do you're having to have a really close relationship with the producer and to know very clearly if we get some time with Fidel Castro what do we need not what are the questions it's like what are the answers that we want and then to to have that teamwork again with the producer and uh, yeah so when we finally found him in Havana, I yelled out, El Presidente. <laughs> I was like, I just, I can't believe I'm screaming out to Fidel Castro. It sounded like, like something out of the Three Amigos. And, like. <laughs> well, and it was when the interview ended and he gave us, I, I remember I counted them again and again, six questions, which I, I just said, did that happen? Did we just get an interview with Fidel Castro? It was just one of those moments that I'll never forget. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills and leadership and culture. Or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including the morning wake up, energy breaks, team building activities and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. But what I take out of that, it's the preparation you've done for years, decades, the muscle memory you draw on you didn't even realise that when the, the gate opens, that's it's a sliding door moment and you jump on it and then in reflection you go, oh my God, we just had yeah. Fidel Castro and yeah. I asked him these questions. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Michael, what's a, an interview you look back on and just go, oh, you're the man, Roland? Yep, oh, right <laughs> you nailed on, it. Well, actually, I was, I was lucky enough to interview um, both Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, may he rest in peace. Uh, they were both lovely uh, people, which probably inspired me to uh, have that supercharged, <laughs> with only coffee, of course, uh, performance at the ABC Christmas party, Stephen. Oh, gee. Listen, the one, one that springs to mind, and it's a bit sort of left of field, but I just came away from the interview thinking, wow, that was, you know, I was a bit trepidatious going into it. You might recall last year in the context of the Religious Discrimination Act debate in federal parliament, Stephen Jones, a federal government minister, got up and talked about how his son, and apologies, Stephen Jones' son, if you're watching this, I'm pretty sure it was Paddy, liked wearing dresses and going out. And Stephen spoke as a parent how he was fearful every time Paddy left the house about whether he'd come home with threats of violence and, and all of that really powerful speech, which prompted us, through the help of the minister's office, getting um, Paddy on, on the show the following morning. And uh, it's always tricky. Paddy was 15, 16 at the mm. time, uh, tricky interviewing teenagers, but also a very sensitive issue. But Paddy was, was a great interviewee. He spoke quite openly about the daily traumas he faces, just living his own life, being who he wants to be. Um, and towards the end, to the point where we were swapping jokes. I, I was I put to him as his dad on the floor of Parliament the night before said, "Well, so much so that Paddy's sister accuses Paddy of stealing addresses." And I said to Paddy, well, "I've got to put to you, mate. Uh, is this true that uh, your sister uh, says you steal her dresses?" And the biggest smile erupted on his face. 
completely disarmed by the question. I thought, right, that, mm. you know, this is yeah. finishing on a very nice note. And he put the record straight saying that, no, uh, she often steals his dresses. Mm. And it was just, um, I, I think, you know, it's not, not a big name entertainment guest, not a big mm. name politician, but I just thought in recent memory that is one interview that I came away thinking, mm. yeah. I saw that on ABC social media and as a father of a son as well, like three daughters and a son, it moved me and I watched it again. Like I just reflected, you put me in the shoes of a father of that man and how amazing he was, the the, the relationship, but the strength he had to break those stereotypes and and I felt moved. I think empathy is a wonderful thing to bring to interviews we could personally disagree with various things or agree whatever it doesn't matter but giving someone a voice and enabling them to to speak and to do it with a genuine interest in what they have to say yeah I think empathy is a real key and then I see you catch people sometimes, Michael, on the 7.30 report. I think you know where I'm going with Tom Hanks. Uh, You quoted Michael Parkinson saying, out of thousands of celebrities he has interviewed over the years, you, Tom Hanks, by far were the most charming because of your modesty and your sense of humour. Do you want to pick up on that? Yeah, I mean, I was, was, you know, interviewed probably 250 on that that night. Mm. It was, and speaking of remote interviews, that was actually done, as, as often these things are with big name overseas Hollywood celebrities. From memory at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, it was morning wherever Tom was. So I was just down the phone and he shoot the questions later uh, before 7.30 goes to air. So I thought, okay, he's, he's done all these interviews. He was promoting his latest film. I asked, you know, all the expected questions about the film and you, and you always try, or at least I do, to come up with something that he hasn't been asked. It would not have been asked in the previous 250 interviews mm-hmm. on that day. And in that research process, and there was a fair bit of research, I just found this interview that Michael Parkinson did on 7.30 fairly in the fairly recent past where he picked out Tom Hanks as the easiest, the warmest, the, the best guest he's had. And I thought, okay, I'll toss it to him. And, yeah, it was a pretty, to be honest, you know, stock standard promotional interview up until that point. And uh, you could see on the on the tape that... Um, Tom was completely he badly taken aback. He did. Yeah. He, you, you actually, he, he went red. He's oh, oh, and he started to, like, <laughs> yeah. very non-Tom Hanks, stumbling over his lines. Michael Rowland, he made Tom Hanks blush. I'll take that as a journalistic epitaph. <laughs> Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including Matchfit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM Edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.